<laughs> All right. Um, the attitude. Next one. Yes. What did we talk about last week? Hunger and thirst. Good. Give me more. Tell me more. Not all at once. Good. Anybody actually do inventory this week? Like, yeah. Vulnerable place. Huh? Are you guys talking quiet or is it just me? They can go louder. I bet Jesus feels the same way. Yeah, it's like, whoa, it's way too loud in there. I bet he would say that. Um, all right, so we're on the next beatitude. Last week we talked about hunger and thirst and talked about doing litmus tests if if I am truly satisfied in him other things don't really shake me, yes? Which is a hard reality, obviously. And it's easier said than done, of course, yes? Um, but uh, I feel like we, we need to raise the bar over our lives of what we actually accept, of what we actually um, allow, and say, I'm not, I'm not satisfied with this, this level that I'm at. I want... I want more. I, I want. I, I hunger and thirst more for him, uh, because obviously he is sustenance in of itself. But there is always more. I mean, Eliphaz talked this morning about how God is limitless. There is no end to him. So therefore, I can never just be like, ah, cool, I've arrived. Some of you guys think that you've arrived. You haven't. We've got to be hungering and thirsting for more and more and more. It'll take our worship to a whole different level. It'll take our prayer life to a whole different level. It'll take our unity that we are longing for to a whole different level if we are hungering and thirsting after him 100% of the time. Yes? Yes? Okay. Tonight, we're going to talk about um, one of the beati- uh, another beatitude. It's Matthew um, 5, verse 7. 7. Yes? And it says this, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. This is the only beatitude where if you give mercy, you receive mercy. It's kind of a direct exchange. All the other ones are hunger and thirst and you'll be satisfied or something something different in return kind of thing. Yes? Um, And I think that's interesting because Mercy, mercy is a tough thing. <laughs> I mean, uh, let's let's kind of explain mercy. Let's let's try to figure out a good definition of mercy altogether. Okay, define mercy for me. Yeah. 
Okay. That they don't deserve. Cool. I like it. Good. What else? Pretty good definition. It's going to be hard to. Can we add a little bit to it? Lenient? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Not in the spirit of compromise, but yeah, no, that's great. I like it. I think sometimes we can think mercy is me compromising, <laughs> and it's not that. Right? Okay. Add to it. Add a little bit. Add a little bit more. Good start. Okay. Okay. I feel like that's a very good definition for grace. I don't think that's the definition of mercy. Okay. But they get mixed up all the time. Grace and mercy, right? That's why oftentimes when you're praying for one, you just kind of add the other one in, right? <laughs> Come on, you've all done it. <laughs> it's just like, well, uh, I just I need grace and mercy because uh, I don't really get the difference. <laughs> um, but um, when it says blessed are the merciful this is the encompassment of compassion and gentleness and truly seeing someone seeing something yeah okay it's 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 the sense of actually caring for the person that's in front of you actually seeing them for who they are no strings attached not what they did to you not what they how they hurt you, but truly just seeing them for who they actually are. Someone slaps you, you turn the other cheek. That's mercy. Yeah? Even though it's just to hit them. <laughs> right? And sometimes it feels really good. Right? Yep. But at, in the same breath, we are called to be merciful. Okay? Sometimes... Um, Miller gets frustrated, my little guy. Sometimes he gets frustrated, so he throws a toy or something like that. Um, or if he's really frustrated, he'll hit me or Madison. Now, obviously, that's not acceptable behavior. Throwing the toy is no more acceptable than hitting somebody, right? And obviously, it's because Miller's two and he's learning how to deal with his emotions right, and how to actually express his emotions properly. But sometimes he gets really frustrated and hits me, right? It's just like, oh, man, what does that do to my heart? Oh, I'm going to get him back, <laughs> right? I'll show, <laughs> I'll show you, right? Would it be that? Or is it, oh, man, my, my son's frustrated. How, how can I help him move through this? How can I help him navigate this? Yes? That's mercy. It's not me saying, oh, 
Miller, you don't understand how hard I can hit, do you? <laughs> right? Because that would be actually sick and twisted of me, right? You would be hopefully reporting me to child services or services, services if I were doing that. Yes? But it's me saying as a father and my father's heart being moved of saying, oh, you're frustrated. Let me help you navigate this. Yes? This is actually a picture into the relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father. Yes? How many of you know that you have swung some punches towards your Heavenly Father? Whether you have actually like swung at the sky, like Bruce Almighty, or if you have just actually acted in behaviors that have been a big slap in the face. Yeah? He, because he is just and he's God Almighty, could have every right to strike you down at that moment. Yes? And frankly, <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, they had it coming. Right? Because he's God, and he gets to call the shots. And it's just like, yeah, he could zap them with a lightning bolt right now. Or, like in other circles, like there's a story of early days of uh, uh, Anaheim uh, Vineyard, where one of the guys who got up um, on the stage was doing transition, and he said, the Lord will never slay me in the spirit. And then all of a sudden he's flat on his face. Right? And it's kind of like playing with that kind of fire, kind of like that kind of stuff. Or Ananias and Sapphira is another big one, right? Oh, you want to slap me? Cool. <laughs> Bam. Do you get it? He's equally, he, he has every justification to knock you out <laughs> in a moment. But he shows mercy every single day. Are you hearing me? Right? I want you to grab that he has every right to light you up with fists of fury. But he doesn't. Hello? But he doesn't. And it's not just because he's just like, oh, well, he's just a, a loving father. Well, he's equally as much of a loving father as he is just as he is disciplinary. Yes? Again, he has every right to. Just like I have every right if Daniel comes up to me, punches me square in the face, to then go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Right? I have every right to do that. Just as I have every right if somebody starts mouthing off in the middle of my sermon to light them up. Right? That's, I have, I'm not pointing at you, I'm pointing at this theoretical person here. Right? I have every right to do that. But in my mercy, I'll say, oh, okay, well, what's actually going on? Does that, does that person just need to feel heard? Are they an idiot? What, whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever it might be, how can, I, how can I show mercy in this instead of just, okay, let me show you how smart and how big and how strong I am, right? That seems them for who they are. Yeah, it is. Um, and I, I've done it. I've, I've lit some people up in messages. I've kicked people out in messages. Nobody's going to open up a bag of chips while I'm flaming somebody with the word of God. Dude, I, I lose my mind. That's why I warned everybody last, the last time I preached on main stage. Like, stay in your seat. Um, all that might sound bizarre, yes? But if I don't show mercy, I can't receive mercy. How many of you know? If I don't show mercy, I can never receive mercy. 
Okay, it's that's essentially what that beatitude is saying. Okay, Jesus is the epitome of mercy. Correct. We had every right to be hung on thousands of crosses <laughs> because of my sin. Yes, some of you have tens of thousands of crosses. I've just got thousands. Just making sure you're listening. But right, I have. That's that was what was due to me to die 10,000 deaths so that I could maybe in hopes of try to atone for my sins, which is obviously impossible, right? Without him. He showed mercy being the perfect lamb. And I think oftentimes we think that Jesus is finished or now let me see it, say it this way, that Jesus's most profound moment in his life was him breathing his last breath on the cross. I don't want to diminish that, but it's not the most important part of his life. How many of you know? A lot of people died on a cross. A lot. He wasn't, it wasn't like Jesus was the first one to die on a cross. Okay? The only reason his last breath on that cross was so important was because of the life that he lived all the way up until that point. Not because of the, that he just died on a cross. Right? The life that he lived was perfect. It was blameless. It was spotless. He showed mercy. He showed grace. He showed all of these things in hopes of showing us the greatest and grandest mercy that we could ever get by his finished work of the cross. Right? Are you with me? Does this make sense? If Jesus sinned once in his entire existence, the cross means nothing means that he just died again. He, uh, he's just another guy who died and was put to death on, with the death penalty. But because he lived a perfect life, the cross meant something. So that he could exemplify mercy in the most profound way. Yes? Okay. This, this beatitude is truly the epitome of reap and sow, reap and sow. If I show Wyatt mercy, he gives me mercy. If I show Kylie mercy, he gives me mercy. It's a direct, just kind of like tango, dance, back and forth. Give, get, give, get, give, get. Yes? That's exactly what it says. I know. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. It's simple. It's simple, simple, simple. And again, it doesn't mean from man. I don't, I'm not entitled to, if I'm merciful to Jaden, I'm not entitled to Benji's mercy. I'm not. I'm never entitled to any of your guys' mercy. Why? Because you're sinful, broken humans who are just trying to figure out how to give me mercy as well. But the only mercy I want is from my heavenly father. Right? I need to portray mercy. That's what I'm responsible for. I'm not responsible and entitled to you giving me mercy. Are you hearing me? Okay. Okay. So um, the first part of this verse will always reflect our action to people. And the second is the reward, like we've been talking about for a couple weeks now. Yes? Okay. Turn to Hebrews 11.6.
And I want to lay, lay down some framework and kind of paint a, a beautiful picture if I, if, I, if I can tonight. Hebrews 11. Everybody there? I think oftentimes we're uncomfortable with the reality that our God is a rewarder. Sometimes we can get a little bit like, are you sure <laughs> he's a rewarder? Man, it's almost like this impoverished kind of mentality of us living in that. But actually, he is a rewarder. Rewarder. That's just the way it goes. It's just who he is. So I want to read this. Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says... And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. I want to read it one more time. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever that draws near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Okay, so what is our reward in this beatitude? Mercy, great, good job. Wow, you guys are so listening, right? It is mercy. Our reward is mercy from God Almighty. That's good news, yes? But there's a second, there's a first step that comes before the reward. How many of you know? In this case, in Hebrews eleven six, this case is those who diligently seek Him. How many of you know that if you are a diligent seeker of the Lord? All things that he breeds are byproducts of our life with him. It's not like it's not like I have to convince myself or fool myself to be merciful to someone. If I am seeking the Lord wholeheartedly, it's a natural byproduct of who I am. Because he's getting in me, if, you, if I can use that language. He's getting on me, if I can use that language. Yes? Okay? So, this is beyond us just acknowledging that he exists. It's way beyond that, right? It's easy to, it, to come to terms with that there's a, a higher power. Yes? It's easy to come to terms with that. Even if it's a big bang, it's a higher power. <laughs> right? It's easy to come to terms with that. That's super elementary. That is uh, before milk, whatever that is. Right? Um <laughs> And frankly, it's easy to believe that because even the demons acknowledge his existence. Like, so, okay, what makes you so special if the demons even acknowledge it, right? Makes you one of, I'm just joking. <laughs> totally joking, right? But God is not satisfied with just our acknowledgement of his existence. There is something that comes up as a part of it. And he, it's, it, it's this, this, this seeking of who he is in his entirety. And how many of you know that he rewards, his reward is intimacy. The reward he gives is intimacy, is nearness. Like I think of when I was a, a little kid, me and my dad would go up to Copper Mountain every single Saturday. And we would, we would shred, we would do 20 runs, we were madmen. It was fun, 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 okay? 
But my dad, because of who he is, he's was a world-class kind of skier, like phenomenal, like kind of one of those guys who like would jump out of helicopters and rip down the mountain. He was that guy. Uh, yeah, he was a legit skier. He circles around people. So me and my dad had this agreement because I was not as good, okay? I was not good at all. I could I could do it, but I was not as good. So me and my dad had this agreement of uh, kind of checkpoints where he would go and just rip before me, and then he would stop at one of the forks, and I would I would catch up, right? This is how we would navigate coming down the mountain, right? It was wonderful. It was so fun, dude. I miss it. I, I wish I could do it again. But not, uh, not going to get emotional. But what this, what I'm trying to say is that the Lord allows that kind of same thing in our lives. Okay? He'll allow, how do I say this better? How do I say it better? How do I say it better? Okay, let me add to the story. There was one moment where I took a, a wrong turn on, this, on the slope, and I couldn't find my dad, right? And as a, as a boy, that's, you're in the middle of nowhere, right? You're on a mountain? Yeah, great. There's a lot of people around? Yeah, great, but you're in the middle of nowhere, right? Some of you guys are like, oh, I couldn't find my mom in Target or something, and oh my gosh, all hell breaks loose kind of thing, right? But it's more. it, it was more than that. You're like in the... You're almost in a wilderness. There's nothing around you, and it was it was intimidating, right? But my dad, being who he was, I, I don't know how he did it, but he's got like eyes all over his head or something. He knew where I where I veered off and where I went wrong. So I my saw my dad like hiking up the mountain. You know how you do with with your skis out one after another, so that he could get to a spot where he could then come back and intersect with me. I think oftentimes we expect we expect this same kind of reality where if I were smart in that situation, I would have started yelling, Dad, 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 where are you? Right? Top of my lungs. If I were smart. Yes? <laughs> but I wasn't smart. He had to do the majority of the work. And I think our Lord does the same kind of thing to an extent. Because I was frozen. I was stuck in one spot. I, I didn't know where to go. I wasn't diligently seeking him. Hello? Hello? Are you guys with me? Okay. I wasn't seeking him. I was waiting for him to find me. Right? And thank God that my father is a good father and he came and found me. Yes? And same thing goes with our Heavenly Father, that He will come and find us. But how many of you know that Christianity is not just about getting out of the next wilderness? We've made Christianity of how can I, it's just chasing wildernesses so He can come save me again. Back in my youth pastoring days, I had this, this, um, student who would literally self-inflict pain on herself because that's where the last time that the Lord met her. So she would try to recreate things in her life so that she might 
get another fresh touch from the Lord in a healing, in a what, in a, in a, in a, all of these kinds of things, right? Christianity is much more than saying, Lord, save me from this. Are you with me? So then your, your reply is, well, then what is it? Because that's all I know. <laughs> Christianity is actually supposed to just be a you-seeking-him relationship. Because oftentimes we're mad at the Lord because I don't, we're, we're never getting our reward. Right? We're always like, oh, well, where's my reward? Where's my reward? You saved me from that, so I'm doing a reward? <laughs> what? That's really weird. <laughs> That's, that doesn't make any sense. You got me through, you got me through that space. You, you saved me from Egypt, whatever it might be. And now I'm doing a reward, Lord. It doesn't work that way. Christianity is about seeking him wholeheartedly. And then he, because of his goodness, brings reward. Yes? Oh, isn't that beautiful? Isn't it gorgeous? Isn't that the way it's supposed to be? Instead of, oh man, I, I've got to find something wrong with my life. I've got to complain about something or else the Lord can't do anything. No, it's actually a seeking relationship on our end so that we get to know him more, that there's intimacy brewed, yes? And the cherry on top, not the reason to do it, but the cherry on top is that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Isn't that cool? Are you with me? It's our responsibility to seek truth, and he rewards that seeking with connection. With connection. When's the last time you felt fully connected to the Lord? <gasps> Drop a pin in this room. Right? When's the last time you were like, oh, nothing else matters, but I feel so connected to you, Lord. I can feel your breath on my ear, you know, kind of thing. I feel your closeness, right? Mine was last night, if you're wondering. It's just <laughs> wonderful. That's, that's our goal, though, right? I don't, at the end of the day, my life circumstance and situation doesn't matter. In the grand scheme of things, I know it hurts. I get it. I get it. I know it hurts. I'm not discounting what you're going through. But in the grand scheme of things, it's small. I need to just seek him. I need to seek him. I need to seek him diligently. Make sense? So by so mercy, I receive mercy. And this is counter counterculture again, right? To the world. What's the world say? What's the world say? No mercy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. Nice. That was really deep. <laughs> no, our just our culture. Yeah. Huh? 
owed mercy. Yes, I'm entitled to everything. A spirit of entitlement. Yes. Even if I can't afford Gucci, I'm entitled to it. That's our culture, right? It's funny to laugh at because it's so bizarre. But it's, I mean, I see it on my, on my siblings. Like, get a job. <laughs> get a job. If you want the nice things, go get a job. Stop asking my dad for money. You know? Oftentimes we do the same thing with the Lord. I want the nice things, Lord. I want it. I want it all. I want you to prosper me. I want, I want the healing ministry. I want this. I want that. He's like, do some work. Do some work for it. Seek me. Hello, right? Miller loves candy corn. Absolutely loves it. Did not get that from me. Dude, because that stuff is rancid. Dude, I don't know why you'd want to eat candy and corn. It doesn't make sense. But he loves it. And not. I, I want to preface this with, no, I'm not manipulating my kid. Okay? All right? I don't do that. It's not the way I parent. Okay? Come into my house and you'll learn. But if he's really, really fixated on something, because he he's, gets really fixated on things, like, I want this, I want show, I want show, I want show, I want candy corn, I want candy corn, I want the Woody show, which is what he calls Toy Story. Dude, that's the cutest thing in the world. The Woody show? Come on. Like, that's the best. He's like, no, I want candy corn, I want candy corn. And we say, well, we've got to have dinner first before we can have dessert. And it's this training that takes place, right? Why? Because dinner is good for you. Candy corn's not. Right? It's not good for your teeth. It's not good for your waistline. It's not good for anything. Right? And it's nasty. It's not even good. I don't even know why you want it. But dinner's good for you. Right? Especially dinners we're rolling out for Miller. Come on, dude. We don't just eat. Here's some mac and cheese. Dude, we're getting him some. Here's some salmon and. You know? Salmon <laughs> I tried to think of something cool, but I, that's all I could think of. Um, but it's, hey, at the end of the day, the Lord understands that if he only gave us rewards, it would be bad for us. Just like I understand that if I only gave Miller candy corn, it would be bad for him. It wouldn't be good for him. He wouldn't grow up big and strong, and he wouldn't be my retirement, um, uh, you know, thing because he's going to go to the PGA Tour and going to be very successful and be great. PGA Tour is golf, and he's going to make hundreds of millions of dollars, and then I can retire. Right? The Lord understands that it's not good just to be rewarded for not doing anything. In the same breath, you get it. But oftentimes, it's all we want. Just give me the reward. Give me the reward. Give me the reward. We've got to start seeking him. Diligently. Seeking him diligently. Are you with me? Turn to Psalm 41. 
and I'll, I'll wrap up with this. Kind of forgot that we went long. Sorry. Psalm 41. Yep. What? 41. Psalm 41, verse 1. Psalm 41, verse 1. Um, I don't know if you know this, but most of what Jesus says is ripoff of Old Testament. And it's not discounting what Jesus said. It's actually adding to who Jesus is. He literally ripped it off from a prophet, from the psalmists, from all sorts of things, right? And he made it really simple on himself. Just the same way I've made it really simple on myself. I don't have to come up with anything new. It's all right here. Sermons are wrote for you, dude. <laughs> Super simple. You don't have to overcomplicate them. You don't have to come up with anything fancy. It's right here. This is what Jesus says. Or, I mean, this is what the psalmist says. Ready? Verse 1. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. What's that sound like? Sounds like the beatitude that we're talking about, yes? Blessed are the merciful. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. What's that sound like? Isn't that cool? How many of you know that mercy sometimes takes different shapes and forms? Sometimes it does look like the Good Samaritan story, right? That parable. But all, also, other times it looks like the Lord delivering me and seeing me on the most important day, Judgment Day. That's when mercy is going to be made very, very, <laughs> very, very applicable in my life. Right? So what, what he's saying here is consider those who are poor. Consider those who are less than you. Consider those who are down. Consider those who don't know how to handle their emotions and lash out at you. Consider those who don't understand how to, come in, uh, to uh, handle their emotions and hit you. Are you getting me? For the Lord will deliver you. For the Lord will see you. For the Lord will have mercy on you. Yes? It's simple, guys. It's not, this isn't anything revelatory that I'm bringing to you tonight. This is one of the simplest messages that you could ever kind of bite off. You sow mercy, you reap mercy. If you sow mercy, you reap mercy. If you sow mercy, you reap mercy. That's it. So what's this look like in practice? Good question. Here's your homework. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Write it down. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. I believe that this is the cheat code to unlocking this beatitude over our lives. I'm not going to read it tonight. You're going to read it every single day this week. Is that easy enough? Okay. But I want you to keep these three things in mind as you are reading it this week. Ready? 
Just as children imitate their parents, we should imitate Christ. Yes? That's the first one. Second one is, his great love for us led him to sacrifice himself so that we might live. Yes? And lastly, out of, uh, sorry, our love should go beyond affection. Affection is step one. Our love should go beyond affection and transform into us being a self-sacrificing people. Did you hear me? Affection is step one. We will never not need affection. But the, the second part is laying my body, myself, my life on that altar in front of him. Okay? If I can't figure any of those three things out, you're going to struggle with mercy. Okay? Let me say them again just because I know you guys, I've said them fast. Just as children imitate their parents, we should imitate Christ. That's one. Good. Two is his great love for us led him to sacrifice himself so that we might live. His great love led him to sacrifice himself so that we can or might live. Good. And the cherry on top. <clears throat> Our love should go beyond affection and transform into self-sacrificing. Our love should go beyond affection and transform into self-sacrificing love. Okay. Good. Ephesians 5, verses 1 through 2. Or 1 and 2. Good. Okay. Let me seal this all with a prayer, and we'll break. So, Holy Spirit, um, I just pray that you would train us in mercy, that you would teach us in mercy, and that we would be merciful. Um, and that the measure of mercy that we've learned from you so far, that we would portray to your people. Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your self-sacrificing love. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for who you are to each and every single one of us. Would we seek you diligently this week? In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>